People, don't you know what this is? This is Training Camp with Colby Van Camp on Wildcat 919. Good evening, Manhattan, Wamigo, Junction City, and anywhere the internet has enveloped you in its cold embrace. Welcome to Training Camp with Colby Van Camp, yours truly behind the gray microphone high atop the music department in McCain Auditorium, located on McCain Drive in the heart of the campus of Kansas State University in the core of the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. It is, in fact, I'm not, I, don't take it from me, let's just hear it right from uh, the man himself. It's a great day to be a Wildcat. Nah, I, 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 my bad, let's do that again. It's a great day to be a Wildcat! It is a great day to be a Wildcat, in case you had forgotten that. So today was a big day for the Big 12 in that we had the Big 12 Media Days in Texas today at AT&T Stadium uh, in Dallas, yes? Yeah. Yeah, it's the home of the Cowboys. Jasmine, you are so familiar with the Cowboys. Yes, I am, and every bit of soul-crushing bit <laughs> of love that I have for them. Sure. I, I've told, I'm like, I've said this before on all these airways. I'm like the idiot that always comes back in a toxic relationship. Uh, no, it's it's not that bad. It's not it's not like that. Are you, mm, you sh- maybe? I I just say I hope you never feel that way with your prospective sports teams. The okay. Way that you are. Okay. Okay. All right. I, Fair let, enough. Let's just let's just keep that simple. Y'all have heard me rant. Y'all have heard me scream into this microphone and probably had to turn down your volume because <laughs> of the thoughts that I've had about my Cowboys. But it's okay. It's all right. It's fine. We don't we don't even have to get to that. Look, it's July. Don't 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 make don't make me sweat like this to my Cowboys in July. <laughs> well, so because it's the Big Twelve Media Days, all of the uh, the schools from the Big Twelve uh, minus you know UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston, they because they are not officially Big Twelve members yet, they were not represented at the Big Twelve Media Days. Um, but then the rest of them were Kansas State, KU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, um, Texas. TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, and West Virginia. They were all there at the Big 12. And um, Coach Kleiman had some great things to say about Kansas State. Uh, But before we get into uh, the range of clips that I have of Coach Kleiman and kind of just our our coverage of today for Wildcat 91.9 of the events that were going down for the Big 12 Media Days, there was a very incredible piece put down uh, by D. Scott Fritchen. You might know him very well as the guy who co-wrote the book about Bill Snyder, which has gone on to be a bestseller. Um, But he he is a, a, a beat writer for Kansas State. And he does a lot of great stuff. And he put out a K-State Sports Extra today that says, There's been the perception for a while that Kansas State lacked significant talent and relied upon under-the-radar players to fight its way into the upper half of the Big 12 conference standings. That's okay. That's what the program was built upon. For decades, proving doubters wrong has been a part of the Wildcats' DNA. And he goes on to discuss all of the incredible things that Kansas State uh, is doing 
with the Big 12. And, you know, I think it's interesting that Kansas State has found its identity in players who came from, like, the the lower echelon, right? And they have progressed and been built into top-level players. Um, And I think there's a, a consistency in Kansas State that you might not see in a lot of other programs that take quote-unquote lesser talent and then build it up into quote-unquote better talent because you know it's one thing if you're in Oklahoma and you get all this mad talent but then you regress and I think that says something about your coaches Um, you know Nebraska had all this incredible clout and talent goes over to the Big Ten should be rolling the fat stacks should be bringing in mad NIL stuff and they they uh, won like three games last season, right? So yep. I mean, go figure. Uh, but don't don't take it from me. Let's hear what Coach Kleiman has to say. And so there's I have seven clips here that I'm going to be playing all throughout the first segment from Coach Kleiman. And the first is he wants to talk about um, leading the Big Twelve in preseason and all conference players. A couple things. One, uh, guys did some really good things last year uh, that uh, garnered that recognition. Uh, I look at it and, and applaud our staff, uh, coaches, support staff, recruiting staff for, for continuing to um, set the standard in recruiting and continue to uh, recruit quality student athletes here and, and developing them and then uh, take that development stage, whether it's uh, Scott Troush in nutrition to True Carroll in, in strength and conditioning to Minnie Hoffman in athletic training. Uh, of uh, so many people are going to have an impact on your on your career and taking all those people seriously and, and learning from all those people so that you can become the best version of yourself and to have six guys uh, that uh, are receiving accolades is pretty neat and I uh, I think of the the handful that I would have said boy that one would have deserved it as well so I'm excited because I think every team probably has those unheralded four or five guys that you think well, that, that kid's going to really surprise some people because of how talented they are. But uh, um, I, I was excited for those, for those six guys. I, I didn't pay attention to who was first, who was second, as far as leading the conference, just the fact that those guys got the recognition they deserved. So Kansas State players, in Chris Kleiman's eyes, are getting the recognition that they deserve, and I would agree with that. Um, and then to kind of uh, juxtapose that with this article from, from uh D. Scott Fritchen. Um, it says that what the Big 12 conference media are telling us heading into the 2022 season is something different. They have pegged K-State with possessing some of the best talent in the Big 12. They voted K-State players, uh, six of K-State players on the preseason All-Big 12 team. That's more selections than any team in the league and more picks than Texas with four in Oklahoma, one combined, uh, which I think is a very large nod to Kansas State. It's also the most preseason All-Big 12 selections for K-State since at least 2000, as the Wildcats are sure to garner attention at the Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, Texas on Wednesday, which is today. Um, So, interestingly enough, at the end of the article, it goes on to talk about One of the topics to which outsiders should take note is the previous talent of this K-State team, which, again, has more preseason All-Big 12 selections than any other team in the league. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Consider this. K-State has finished a season with six All-Big 12 selections just three times since the league went to a 10-team format in 2011. And in 2012, the Wildcats had seven first-team All-Big 12 honorees. You all know what happened in 2012. K-State went on to win the Big 12. So... I mean, it there there are so many things that I'm like looking at right now that's kind of like 
all of the mojo seems to be coming together for K-State to have this unbelievable football season. Uh, and, I, and it's interesting because it seems like some of the pundits at the Big 12 are, are starting to realize that as well, even though we spent a lot of yesterday roasting the fact that K-State was fifth uh, in the Big 12 preseason polling and did not see, receive any kind of nod from the press uh, towards getting a first place in the Big 12 vote, even though Iowa State got one, which is just hilarious to me. Um, but one of the writers did, who was not a part of the preseason poll voting, they wrote an article about Kansas State being uh, a dark horse to win the Big 12. And again, I'm you can come and get me for this on Twitter at KG Van Camp, V-A-N-C-A-M-P, um, that... I, I think it's disrespectful at this point for Kansas State to be considered a, a, a dark horse. I mean, you lead the, the conference in preseason, all-conference players. You return one of the greatest running backs in college football right now. You bring in Adrian Martinez to lead the ship. And, uh, you know, Chris Kleiman had some pretty nice things to be saying about Adrian Martinez today in his press conference at the Big 12 Media Days. Why don't you give that a listen? Well, the first thing that drew us to him obviously was the amount of games that he has played uh, at Nebraska but um, uh, if you get around Adrian or you visit with Adrian the first thing that jumps out at him jumps out at me is his maturity and what a grounded individual he is I've been so impressed with him as a person uh, as, a, as a man of faith as as somebody that um, uh, came in and missed all the spring because of a, an injury he had. He practiced the last two practices, but just watching him uh, bond with the players, uh, watching him build relationships during the time when he couldn't be out front leading uh, after a workout or after a practice, and uh, now to see him going through the summer where he is uh, cleared and healthy and watching him you know, just kind of command the room. He's a tremendously mature individual that brings out the best in everybody. And that's what uh, excites me about him. But uh, what what drew us to him was obviously his games played and his maturity. So Chris Kleiman looking for Adrian Martinez to not only just take over as someone to uh, lead the 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 Cats, but potentially lead the Big Twelve because I uh, outside of Spencer Sanders, I would say he's probably the most veteran quarterback in the Big Twelve right now from a from a games played perspective you know Spencer Sanders he's a four-year starter for Oklahoma State and uh, Adrian Martinez coming in for his fifth and final year of eligibility for Kansas State this season um, as as the Cats then turn around and reload in the 2023 season at the quarterback position with Avery Johnson and company Um, but you know what I I also want to say don't sleep on Will Howard okay everybody hates on Will Howard uh, Iron Will, as I like to call him, I, I think that he, uh, uh, from what I had heard from a, a, a press conference in the in the spring training time from Chris Kleiman, is that he uh, he's put on like another twenty pounds. He's like massive. He's just this huge dude. He stands tall in the pocket. His brother has committed to come and play for the Wildcats, which uh, as an offensive lineman, which you know that makes a lot of sense right yeah. <laughs> um uh but I, I i definitely think that will howard has just as much of an opportunity as well as jake rubley to take over the reins everybody hates on will howard he made some poor decisions as a freshman and sophomore everybody kind of looked past his first year because it's kind of like oh my gosh true freshman yeah. shoved in there 
single-handedly won won us the Texas Tech game. That is right. True. So I the gamer in Will Howard uh, is there. It's interesting because he came out with his hair on fire during the the 2020 season, and then he like regressed throughout the season. And by the end of the season, you know, getting blanked by Iowa State, I think was probably his lowest point. Mm-hmm. But I think Will Howard as a junior. Uh, and then next year, Will Howard as a senior is going to be far more impressive uh, than anything that we've seen from him so far. So I don't, I, I'm one of the few people, I think, on like K-State social media and just in general who I, I fully believe in Will Howard. I fully believe in his ability to be a quarterback. I fully believe in his ability to run the option. I mean, oh, my gosh. If there's ever if there's ever somebody that has stepped on the field in the last five to seven years that has reminded me in size body language and the ability to run as a quarterback as Colin Klein Will Howard is that guy so I I, I can't stress enough that I, I think too many people are sleeping on Will Howard and they're using uh, a terrible game and a half that he had in 2021 in a tight spot and then a terrible game uh, terrible season that he ended up having as it regressed throughout 2020 as a true freshman. Uh, I think he's gotten a bad rap because of that. And everybody's like, oh, he can't make decisions. He can't throw the ball, all this other stuff. I'm here to tell you it's nonsense. Uh, and if you can do any better, by all means, suit up and do it. Um, but I, I I, don't know. I just, I think that Adrian Martinez is going to be great for this year. I think he has a p- potential to lead Kansas State uh, to a Big 12 title. But I, I think that... Will Howard is going to be the future. I'm very excited to see what Jake Rubley does. Uh, first four-star we've had in a while to come in in 2020. And then uh, as a recruit, now we've got uh, Avery Johnson coming in uh, to help us reload. But I, I he's also a, a, will be a sophomore this year because he redshirted his first year yeah. due to injury. So we'll, we'll get to see Jake Rubley the year after Will Howard. And then likely we'll see Avery Johnson take over uh, unless it's just like non, it's not even close. And Avery Johnson wins it out as a, as a redshirt freshman or a true freshman or a true sophomore. So that's, that's my two cents. Uh, Jasmine, give me, give me 60 seconds on what you think uh, the future is for Kansas State at the quarterback position. Well, honestly, I, I'm very high on Adrian Martinez. Like, he left Nebraska literally breaking every record in the book pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I uh, had, t- had a career total offense of over 10,000 yards, about 10,792 yards. So all, a whole lot in the amount of rushing touchdowns he can do. Because you can, you can tell the K-State has the themes of quarterbacks, the ones who can run. Yeah. And Adrian Martinez can definitely do that, and he's shown you that he can also beat you with his arm as well. But his feet is what really probably, you know, K-State was really attracted to, was him being able to run with the football. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I also think that when you look at all the records that he's broken and the pedigree that it comes from, from Nebraska, you know, like – Heisman winning Eric Crouch, you know, yeah. out there breaking records from from him, you know that's that's crazy. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm very high on on Kansas State football right now. If you can't tell, and we have so much more to cover from the Big Twelve Media Days here on Training Camp with Colby Van Camp on Wildcat 91.9. Wildcat 91.9 would like to thank Tanner's Bar and Grill in the Ville for its support for the next generation of K-State media stars. 
Tanner's Kitchen is open until 10 p.m. nightly for a full menu of Manhattan's favorites, such as the Jamaican jerk chicken. Most nights, Tanner is open until 2 a.m. for a late nightcap. See the full menu and specialties at tannersbarandgrill.com. For a game on Tanner's large TV screens or a bite with family and friends, discover Tanner's at tannersbarandgrill.com. Hello, this is Darren Lee Lewis, Director of Advertising Sales and Marketing for Collegian Media Group at Kansas State University and Wildcat 91.9. As nonprofit organizations, your advertising and underwriting dollars support student learning and employment opportunities to better prepare them for the world ahead. Reach the K-State community and support student media today by visiting advertising.collegianmedia.com. Once again, that's advertising.collegianmedia.com. And order online today through our new ad shop. Dearborn Coffee, located downtown inside the Village Geek, is open for late-night coffee drinks such as flavored lattes, espressos, and a selection of teas. Meeting friends after hours? Dearborn Coffee is open seven days a week inside downtown Manhattan's The Village Geek. For a late-night coffee jolt, visit Dearborn Coffee at 105 North 3rd Street inside The Village Geek in downtown Manhattan. Jimmy, stop messing with the freaking radio dial. Hey, uh, Coach, do you think that maybe we could, I don't know, turn on some music or something? What? No. When the little hand reaches the 7 and the big hand reaches the 12, then we can change the radio station. But for now, we're listening to Training Camp with Colby Van Camp on Wildcat 91.9. Now get back to the huddle. That song doesn't clear it up for you. Gravity does, in fact, hurt uh, if you use it against you. Very true. Very true. I think football players probably understand that better than most people. Yeah, leave a little sore. Yeah, right. Sore. <laughs> um, so before we continue on with our Big 12 media days, it is the time of the month. And wait, not the time of the month. The time of the week. The time of the week. Jeez, it is the time of the week. Uh, get get dunked on, Colby. Um, but uh, it's a it's a time of the week for uh, <laughs> Whiskey Wednesday, right? So. <laughs> I apologize. That sounded really strange there for a second. Um, it's a, it's a time of the week for Whiskey Wednesday, and my pick for today, uh, it's a pretty generic pick to be honest, uh, but I, I think that it's a really great bourbon that can be found essentially anywhere. Anywhere that sells bourbon, you're probably going to be able to find this. Uh, Manhattan is no um, exclusion from that uh, general principle. And I'm going to go with Maker's 46. So Maker's Mark oh. is a, a very prestigious American uh, Kentucky bourbon uh, distillery, right? And they're actually, so we talked about on the very first Whiskey Wednesday where, you know, uh, 
usually countries either have an e or they don't have an e in the in the word whiskey and that kind of indicates what country it's from well america usually has an e in their whiskey but makers mark in an attempt to just be cool and to go do something different decided to delete the e so they're w h i s k y um they're they're kentucky straight bourbon whiskey uh and so makers mark decided so it's actually a really interesting story they were they were they have like the uh the makers mark uh mash bill right like the for the the standard makers mark that comes out uh which it can literally be found anywhere it's like right up there with jack daniels and uh, uh you know jim beam and all that other stuff in terms of of bourbon that is easily and readily available just the standard makers mark is um but makers 46 is interesting because they were trying to do something different the the master distiller at, at makers mark said we're, we're going to try and come up with a new iteration we're going to mess around with it a little bit and so they created um, multiple different iterations of the mash bill or the recipe for how to make this particular bourbon. And they named it Makers 46 because it was the 46th iteration off of the original one uh, that they found to be highly successful out of all the, the different uh, distillations that they had made. So that's why it's called Makers 46. Um, you, it's rather affordable. Uh, I'm not obligated or allowed to say what the price is, so I'm sorry if that leaves you in the dark. But what I can tell you is that Makers 46 is bottled at 94 proof, which is 47%. Remember, for whiskey to be considered whiskey, it has to be a minimum of 40% alcohol by volume. Uh, it does not have an age statement, as far as I can tell. It is barrel finished with this is where it gets interesting. So it's barrel finished with 10 seared French oak staves. Um, staves? Yeah, so staves are like um, pieces of wood that you can put inside the barrel. Um, and it, uh, it like wood creates a flavor. Nah, sort of, but it's like an actual like post that oh, you like okay, okay, put okay. in. Um, I think the stave also has something to do with the cork. Um, I I might not be that might not be accurate, and I can I can rectify that at a different time. Um, but just off the top of my head, uh, that's that's what I recall it to be. But it's probably wrong. Um, but just know that it's finished with ten seared French oak staves. Um, and so interestingly enough, based off of the the legality behind what is considered bourbon and what is considered not, the fact that it is finished with ten seared French oak staves. Um, actually disqualifies it from being considered a bourbon in in like certain views, but in certain views it still is a bourbon because it completed a bunch of different requirements. It's it's very it's very niche, but they they market it as Maker's Forty Six Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey with no e in the word whiskey. So it's finished with uh, ten seared French oak staves. So that's gonna be fun. Maker's Mark also has kind of uh, a really unique way that they uh, sear all of their their barrels, and they have a rating system in which they they sear the barrels. Because for bourbon to be considered bourbon, it has to be aged in charred American oak barrels. Um, and so the charring process, there's uh, there's different ways that you can do that, and there's different levels to give it different flavors. So if you char it more in one way, then it tastes differently than if you charred it less in one way. Um, and Maker's Mark is super into how can we make super niche charrings of our barrels. Uh, but yeah, Maker's 46, uh, it, it comes across with all of the standard iterations of flavors that you would get from bourbon bourbon. Typically, you can usually associate it with um, there's a nuttiness that comes from the oak barrels 
Um, there's a there's a light smokiness that comes from the charring of the oak barrels uh, because bourbon is 51% corn. It's legally obligated to be 51% corn in the mash bill for it to be considered bourbon. Um, and so since it has that 51% corn, it actually uh, is rather sweet. Maker's Mark uh, does a lot of weeded bourbon. So that means that it's very the next highest and largest percentage of cereal grain that's in the mash bill is wheat. Uh, and I don't think Maker's 46 is an exception to that. Um, and so they, you usually get your standard, you know, uh, tree nuts and uh, like caramelized brown sugar and that kind of stuff from bourbon. But then it also has a light smokiness to it that comes from that uh, the, the, the 10 French uh, French oak seared staves, which are unique to that particular iteration of Maker's Mark. Um, and then it also comes with like a deep, deep fruit, um, uh, like a, like a plum kind of, uh, taste and, and smell that comes with it. And then lastly, usually on the finish, I get a little bit of a, the finish being like the, the, as like on the back of your tongue, as you've taken the sip, you've swallowed it, you're thinking about it. That's usually where the finish is. Um, and I, I, I usually get a citrusy kind of like, um, light oranges, uh, kind of like orange, orange peels. I'm, I'm an absolute weirdo and I actually really like orange peels. So I'll eat all of my orange. I don't like, I, like I'll peel the orange, like eat the orange and, and then it. like eat the, eat the peel. Yeah. Um, and so, um, it's, it's, a wonderful source of fiber, um, but sure and, 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 and I love that it's tangy. Like I, I really appreciate the tanginess of it. So yeah, I kind of get like that that orange rind off the end uh, that that usually tastes, in my opinion, really good. It might sound really nasty to you, but give it a shot Whoa. sometime. Okay, give it a shot sometime. I, will, I think you would actually be not, surprised. But... Uh, no, seriously. Like, go if if you like oranges, pick up like some cuties or something, um, uh, and then. Peel one, eat the orange, and then nibble on the peel. And I think that you'll actually find that to be rather pleasant. So um, with that that being said, I hope that you all are having a wonderful Whiskey Wednesday. Go tweet at me, at KG Vancamp, V-A-N-C-A-M-P, what your bourbon of the week is or your, your Whiskey Wednesday, what your pick is. Uh, and I, I, <laughs> I am happy to hear it. Do you have a pick, Jasmine, or are you just kind of chilling? Uh, I'm big chilling. Like I said, the only whiskey I typically drink is either Apple Crown Coke or straight up with the screwball peanut screwball butter whiskey. Peanut butter. Okay. Those those two have been the most consistent thing in my life so far. <laughs> so when I when I you know decide to be different, I will let you know. But at this very moment, I'm basic, and it's just those two. That's great. <laughs> well, you can go tweet at myself at KG Van Camp, and then you can also go tweet at Jasmine. Jasmine, what's your Twitter handle? It is Jay's Wittit Two. That is J A Y S W I T I T. Then the number two. There you go. I want to know what your pick of the day is so cheers to you my friends okay now uh back to big 12 media days so there's a lot that we were discussing with uh chris Kleiman. he had wonderful things to say about the all-conference uh the preseason all-conference players uh adrian martinez then he went on to have a nice discussion about king felix Felix Andudike Uzama, who is uh, the Big 12 defensive player, preseason defensive player of the year. Let's hear what he has to say about King Felix. Felix, a couple things. One, he's as good a practice player as he is a game player in the fact of he goes and goes hard. And uh, he watched Wyatt Hubert do the same thing. And so he learned from Wyatt, especially during that uh, COVID year, 
of how to train and how to work your body and how to how to play so so dang hard play after play and he's got a lot of confidence now and I'm excited because I think Felix uh, had a breakout season last year and I think if you'd ask him I think he can be better and he thinks he can be better as well uh, especially when you put the surrounding pieces around him because we have most of our defensive line back uh, that it's hard to just double somebody uh, but uh, Felix is uh, so smart uh, and understands the game. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Coach Wyatt and Coach Tui uh, for putting him in positions uh, and, and then uh, Felix in making sure that he's watching enough film and, and seeing tendencies. But uh, I'm excited. Felix is a terrific football player and one of our better leaders as well. So, Jasmine, do you think that King Felix is going to... Well, firstly, we had thought that he had broken the single-game NCAA record hey, against TCU. In, in our eyes, he did. Uh, and, yeah, in my opinion, he did. That's some some BS over there with uh, what they were ruling was a fumble and was not. And it was like, okay, it feels like you're just splitting hairs at this point. Right. To, it had to be to like, like, what, past the, it was, yeah, the one was like, past the line of scrimmage, yeah, so at that point it wasn't a fumble. Like, or, but I, we or still a, recovered a the ball. Or, yeah, yeah, Their explanation was dumb. So yeah, in all of our stupid. eyes, it's still six sacks. Yeah, I, I've, it's still six sacks in my opinion. But the, the, the record doesn't officially count. Um, so do you think that he's just going to snap the record this year? Honestly, he has the great opportunity too, because like uh, Coach Kleiman said, I I do believe like our like at least defensive ends stacked. We, of course, you have oh, yeah. Felix and Adike Uzama coming back. You have Khalid Duke coming off of injury, and Nate Matlack had his little coming out party for him like himself last season as well. Yeah. So like so far on the edge, we got some dogs. So it's it's very possible. It just it kind of like pick your poison a little bit for the opposing offense because Felix has definitely the opportunity to to possibly break that record but I can't say depending what type of time the Khalid Duke was going to be on you know come like maybe he's going to come out playing with his hair on fire just because he missed all of last season really he has he might have an opportunity to do something as well so I just sure. know if, or it just could be maybe not everyone could like or one of these guys could not break the sack record or as a whole they could probably lead the Big 12 with sacks just as an entire defensive line. Sure. Like, it's, it's super high ceilings, I think, in my, in my opinion, for the K-State defensive line, considering the three guys that I just named. And that's just that's just just the, just the top, pretty much, right. about who we well, have. Well, right and then now. even at, at defensive tackle, you have, uh, like, Eli Huggins yeah. and Jalen Pickle and, and those guys. Um, so I think that it's going to be very exciting for Kansas State's defensive line. Um, and interestingly enough, so, <laughs> Big Game Boomer, who we spent a lot of time roasting yesterday uh, for their take on the top 50 offenses and defenses in college football, uh, interestingly enough, put out the top 50 offensive lines in college football. Kansas State was ranked number 24, which I thought was pretty good. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think that's pr- fairly accurate, to be honest. Um, but breaking the top 25 is good, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm very curious to see where they rank the defensive line because we we if we're not in the top 10 in defensive lines that's disrespectful Pretty because much. Khalid Duke was a monster just unfortunate that he got injured but also allowed guys like you said Nate Matlack to kind of have his moment prove that he belongs on the field and then Felix Enrique Uzama to just single-handedly take over the Texas Tech game and win that for us mm-hmm. with that safety yeah uh so I I I think that the defensive line Big game boomer! If you're listening to this, you better you better rank us high on that one because that's uh, 
that's important uh, to us, I think, because I, th- I think that's where our bread and butter is in terms of, of the, the defense. Chris Kleiman also was asked some questions about about the defensive formations that they're going to be running, which I think was I thought was a very cerebral question, a hmm. very interesting question. Uh, so just don't don't take it from me. We'll talk about it in a second, but just hear what the actual question was. Uh, now that you're in the second year with the new defense, uh, have it changed maybe the way you're recruiting uh, to those positions, and what what might have changed, and what are you looking for? now that maybe yep. you weren't before? Yeah, good question, Arnie. Um, it's interesting, I had a conversation with somebody else earlier today. Last year when we went into fall camp, we were still unsure if we were gonna wholesale three down or still play four down, and so we practiced both of them um, because we'd recruited mostly to four down. And so we had them both working all through fall camp, and then uh, it was kind of our players that said they felt more comfortable with the three down and that's how we started this game, uh, the game against Stanford in here and played really fast and the kids just fell in love with it. From the recruiting standpoint, uh, we're still looking for long athletes that can play in space or put their hand down from a linebacker defensive end standpoint. And then we're looking for that big defensive lineman like a, uh, like an Eli Huggins, like a Jalen Pickle that can hold point at the nose and still, still trying to uh, recruit guys that can run and hit in the secondary. Uh, but uh, this will be our first full season with uh, uh, not wavering to think, are we going to go to a four down, but we're staying with a three down. And so it gave us the opportunity off season uh, to do some professional development with our staff to go to different places that are running some three down that we were pretty vanilla, we thought, last year with our three down. And we need to probably uh, be a little bit more aggressive and, and add a few more wrinkles. So I for for our listeners that it might not make a lot of sense between three down and four down. What he's referencing is Kansas State historically has used a lot of uh, multi multi defensive line personnel formations. Usually, sometimes four, sometimes five man fronts uh, for the defensive line. So like a Kansas State for a long time used a four three. Uh, formation, which is four defensive linemen, then you got three in the immediate secondary, uh, and then so seven, and then that means you'd have five in the four three five. So you'd have to get eleven players, uh, seven, you know, ten, eleven. No, you have four three four. 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 <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you, four three four. Uh, I was thinking of a four two five. My apologies, four three four. Uh, so like, you'd have four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and then four. You'd have two corners, two safeties, right? Yeah. Um, K-State last year under Chris Kleiman decided we're going to start experimenting with a 3-3-5. Uh, so three defensive linemen, three middle linebackers, or they would they would also switch it out with some some corners. Uh, it was didn't have to exclusively be middle linebackers. Uh, or not just middle linebackers, but middle and outside linebackers, right? Uh, and then five, so it'd be probably three corners, two safeties. Yeah. Um, and so the, the idea behind the 3-3-5 is that it's designed to stop big plays. Um, 
uh, big plays as in like the secondary is going to be the most important part of that defense uh, from a a protecting the ball standpoint. Um, And so Kansas State kind of switched between four-man fronts and three-man fronts, four down, three down. Um, And this year it looks like they've completely bought into the three-man front. They're going to just run a 3-3-5, which honestly I think is interesting. It kind of, I think, moves them into the 21st century. The 3-3-5 is relatively new. I, I I think at least it, it because the the days of power football are just I think about over right um, yeah well, at least in this league because the Big Twelve especially certain teams in the Big Twelve are known to have really big plays AKA Oklahoma yeah so when you like try to lessen the amount of big plays which is why the three three five is probably more of what K State is doing and a lot of what other Big Twelve defenses are doing as well. Because granted, Big Twelve is not the the highest uh, like offensive powerhouse of so far of the Power Five, but so far people have crapped on Big Twelve defenses because of how much other you know offenses have been able to score on Big Twelve defenses, and that's why you can see it kind of transpire throughout the Big Twelve and Big Twelve defenses. Because I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Oklahoma State has also mixed in a lot of three three five as well. And yeah. they are the top defense in the Big Twelve. Iowa this State past season. Iowa State. Iowa State as too. well. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of developed into that. I know Oklahoma State, it was a mix of, you know, the three three five and the four three four for them, but I think a lot of their success came from the three three five. Yeah. So uh, still so much more from Cl- Chris Kleiman here in just a few moments. You've been listening to Training Camp with Colby Van Camp on Wildcat 91.9. Paying for cable these days just isn't really worth it. But how are you going to watch the Royals? Well, Tanner's Bar and Grill has got you covered. Located at 1200 Morrow in Aggieville, Tanner's 22 different screens will have the Royals no matter where you look. While you're there, you can grab a fresh Booga or maybe even one of the 16 different ice cold beers Tanner's has on tap. Or there are over 40 different craft beers and seasonal drinks. You can also enjoy the great summer weather at the Tanner's patio. If you can't be at the K, Tanner's is the place to be. Hello. This is Colby Van Camp, the sports director for Wildcat 91.9. On behalf of all of us here at the station and at Kansas State University, we want to welcome all of the football recruits from the class of 2023 to the spot we love full well. The Ad Astra Alliance is alive and well, and as the flagship university for the Ad Astra State, welcome aboard. We are excited to see you grow and perform on the gridiron and in the classroom. EMOS season is back, baby, on Wildcat 91.9. Hi, this is Lily Muter, Assistant Advertising Manager for the Collegian Media Group. MHK Housing is your one-stop shop for off-campus housing in Manhattan. With over 300 properties available on our website and easy-to-navigate filters, MHK Housing helps you find housing in all shapes, sizes, and prices all over the Little Apple. Brought to you by Collegian Media Group, MHK Housing is designed by students for students. For more information, go to mhkhousing.com. That's mhkhousing.com. MHK Housing, your key to off-campus housing. Offense! What the f*** was that? Oh no, here he comes. Quick, somebody turn on training camp with Colby Van Camp on Wildcat 91.9.
So yesterday we spent a large percentage of uh, our, our second segment break trying to figure out what on earth a fresh booga was uh, <laughs> that you can you can hear it in the in our, our Tanner spot that we have uh, since they sponsor our sports talk hour. And it was kind of like, what, <laughs> what the heck is a booga? Um, and uh, Jasmine has un- unraveled the mystery. What what is a booga? It's a fish. It's a fish. It's like a fish sandwich, Alaskan fish sandwich. Alaskan fish. Alaskan fish. Alaskan sandwich. fish in Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I yeah, I know it's a little suspect, but apparently it's it's banging. Hey, if Tanner's makes it, it's probably pretty good. Exactly. So back to Big Twelve media days and all of the love from Chris Kleiman. Uh, so we've been talking about the defense, and I think the defense is going to be the biggest question mark is the secondary for yeah. me. There's a, uh, We got Daniel Green back at linebacker, which is great, but he's only one linebacker, so I'm very curious to see how the rest of our linebackers develop. And we got guys like Echo Boido, who is second team all-conference. Um, he's going to be great, but I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what happens uh with our secondary it could be either really good or really bad but i feel like chris Cla- chris Kleiman is notably a defensive coach so i think yeah. that it's uh gonna be probably fine uh but you know you never know with some of these yeah. young guys i think he's okay with relying heavily on his defensive front yeah no no and i, th- I, th- I, think, I think that's so. a i think that's a really great plan to be honest when you have all of those guys that you have up there because mm-hmm. the more pressure you apply on the quarterback the more likely it is for him to make mistakes in the passing game exactly. and the big 12 is far more of a, a passing league now than it has been ever before um so okay now let's take a let's take a uh, an about face and take a look at the offense, uh, he had some very nice things to say about Colin Klein, as we all do. But let's hear what he had to say about the big optimist Klein. Well, for starters, I'm so excited for, for Colin Klein. He's earned the opportunity during our, our uh, three weeks uh, leading up to the bowl game and then playing as well as we did in the bowl game and just watching him lead and command the room and have the respect of the players. And then as far as he and Adrian uh, I get to sit in on a lot of the quarterback meetings and uh, just seeing the dialogue between all the quarterbacks uh, and Coach Klein, but in particular Will and, and Adrian always um, having great dialogue with, with CK and uh, just continuing to put Colin's own spin on, on the offense. We're going to make some adjustments. We probably uh, are going to keep some things the same as some of our terminology that we'd had when Mess was here, uh, but uh, we're still going to Find a way to get 22 of the football. Everybody wants to make sure that Deuce gets his touches. and uh, But I'm excited to see um, Colin and Adrian because they are very similar uh, type, uh, type of players, type of people, and um, they both are very driven. And so I- I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how those two mesh, mesh together. I'm excited because I know they will mesh really well. High praise from Chris Kleiman for both Colin Klein and Adrian Martinez. I mean, if I was a quarterback and my coach said, you remind me of the offensive coordinator who was uh, robbed of a Heisman in 2012, I'd, I'd, that's, a, that's a pretty high compliment. Right. Um, and I, I'd, folks from Kansas realize how high of a compliment that is, but I, I don't know if anybody else listening like understands the gravity of a, a compliment like that because I just, I don't know. I was watching highlight clips from Colin Klein in 2012 uh, like two days ago. It was just unbelievable the way that he ran the ball. I mean, the read option and Colin Klein are unstoppable. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that man was a freight train and you either held on for dear life as he dragged you into the end zone with him or you needed the rest of the secondary to tackle him. 
Is he he just ran through people. It was awesome. He's he's so like big and tall. I can't wait to see him making play calls. They also talked about the importance of getting 22, Deuce Vaughn, the touches that he needs. And uh, Chris Kleiman had some lovely things to say about Deuce Vaughn as well. Yeah, as a, as a junior now, um, he's had to take on some leadership role. Uh, it's easy to ask a sophomore to do that. But when we had kids like Noah Johnson and Skylar Thompson, he really didn't need to. Well, he's an older guy now. And uh, I've been really proud of the way that he has uh, kind of commanded the running back room and, and um, done some things with those new running backs, whether it's a freshman that we have or a transfer that we have. Uh, coming in that uh, he's taken them into the film room and, and showed them uh, kind of how to watch film and things to look for as well as taking them out on the field and doing some of their own drills um, and uh, and just kind of explaining to them kind of his craft and, and it's the work ethic that uh, uh, you see with Deuce Vaughn that you know I think that fee- everybody feeds off of his work ethic whether it's on the field it's in the classroom it's in the film room it's in the weight room um, that kid works so hard and to see uh, your younger players watch arguably your best football player put the work in on a daily basis in all these areas as well as doing community service to say you can do all these things and be successful and so um, uh, Deuce is becoming a tremendous leader for our football team Deuce Vaughn I think um you know, I keep seeing all these things on like CBS Sports and on Twitter and Instagram where people where they're like, rank your top five running backs, right? And, or your top five players or whatever. And Deuce is always in that list, yeah. which is which is cool to see. And then everybody in the comments, they're like, Deuce Vaughn at fifth. And I'm like, you're a freaking moron. Right. Or they're like, you who's Deuce Vaughn? I was like, you guys just don't watch college football. You're like, yeah, you're, football. you're stupid. I mean, you can just say that. <laughs> just say you don't watch college football. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. No, no. And then, or, or they'll say, Bijan Robinson. I'm like, okay. Uh, I, uh, a talented kid. Talented kid. Yeah. But... Just but. because he owns a Lamborghini doesn't mean that he runs like a Lamborghini. Uh, so, a <laughs> little little roast of the NIL there. Mm. But uh, the, the thing that I thought was probably most telling is after three years now at Kansas State, Chris Kleiman has two winning records, one losing record, but I think that was pretty exclusively because of COVID. I think yeah, COVID and no Skylar Thompson frankly, as well. Frankly, I think that we have Skylar Thompson. I think we also contend for a Big 12 in 2021 because... We looked good uh, after we had the one hiccup, Arkansas State, um, or that was that was actually twenty twenty. Yeah, so, twenty twenty. So my bad. But we had we had the one hiccup um, with Arkansas State in twenty 2020, twenty, then twenty twenty one. Oklahoma State, absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a rude awakening. Going that to was play Oklahoma State. That was. But again, God, K State always getting the short end of the stick and having to start conference play on the road. On the road. Uh, Gene Taylor, why is that? I'd love to get your opinion opinion on that. Uh, and don't tell me it's because of the computer, because we all know <laughs> that's a, that's a joke. Uh, but so he was Coach Kleiman was asked about the what his projected uh, or let's uh, let me what is the program trajectory? What is he projecting the program trajectory to be? And he actually had some some really interesting things to say about that. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Chris, Callis Robinette here from the Wichita Eagle, Kansas City Star. Um, after your stint at North Dakota State, where winning national championships was the bar every year, I'm just wondering how you look back and rate a uh, pair of eight-win seasons so far in your tenure and what you think about building on it. 
Okay. Thanks, Kellis. Um, yeah, that was the bar that was set, and that was there was no other, there was no variant to that bar. You were winning a national championship, or you weren't going to be there very long. Um, you know, when I came in here in 2019, I really wanted to make sure we got back to a bowl game. I thought that was really important to get back to, to bowl eligibility and um, have the opportunity to, to be successful and win every game and be in every game to win every game and never set a set a sight on we need to win this amount of games. I, I've never believed in that as far as, far as saying, well, we have to win seven, eight, nine, whatever the amount of games are, uh, nor have I ever put the importance of, boy, this game's the most important one uh, because then what are you going to tell the kids on the next week? This one's not as important. And so trying to just put an emphasis on a week-to-week -week basis uh, of playing our best football, um, the thing that uh, – that we need to be better at so that we can continue to push towards a Big 12 championship, which is the ultimate goal, is to be more consistent week in and week out. And uh, take the 2020 season out of it when nobody knew who was gonna be in the lineup week to week. In 2019 and more specifically 2021 where we knew our roster better is just weren't, haven't been consistent enough um, in all three phases, offense, defense, and teams. And that's what we're trying to do is be more consistent. Part of that is recruiting and development and having more players uh, so that when you do get nicked up, uh, you don't fall off and you don't um, uh, put a player out there that maybe isn't ready to be out there. All that being said, this is still where we're at with the landscape of college football that you're going to have to play some kids that are really new to your program. It's just your job to get them up to speed as quickly as you can. So I, I think we're on the right trajectory, Kellis, um, but I know there's more in us. Still more to go, according to Chris Kleiman. Um, Jasmine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose two questions for you for our final six-ish minutes. All right. Um, firstly... What does Deuce Vaughn need to do to win the Heisman? We are talking about statistics uh, from him being one of only three players last year to rush for over 1,000 yards and receive for over 400 yards. Um, and I think that because of the size of Deuce Vaughn, the receiving game is going to be the key for him to being up there in the, in the as a Heisman finalist. Yeah. Um, I mean, rushing yards, obviously. I think he needs to rush for over probably fifteen to 1,800 yards. But if he's able to put seven, eight, nine a thousand yards, nine hundred thousand yards in in receiving together. There's, I think that's the argument that you can make against a, you know, let's say Bijan Robinson stays healthy and rushes for twenty two hundred yards. You know, yeah. Well, how do you how do you compete with that? You, if you're not going to be that kind of rusher, then you need to come up with that amount of. You need to come up with some good receiving. Uh, I think so. That's that's my key for Deuce Vaughn to winning the Heisman. Do you have? a key for Deuce Vaughn to winning the Heisman. To be honest, just kind of he like keep doing what you're doing, Deuce, really. Yeah. Like other than obviously, you know, health, if he stays healthy and he just keeps doing what he's doing, he has a really, really great chance at it. And I do agree with what you're saying about also on the receiving end, because maybe pound for pound, actually like, you know, running, running the football, B. John Robinson might have a little bit of an advantage just because he's a much bigger back than Deuce Vaughn is. Sure. And so Deuce Vaughn, you know, he can definitely run in between the tackles, and that's, you know, why he's so hard to tackle because of his size. He's also been greatly utilized in the passing game as well. And considering that K-State finished ninth in total like in passing and in total offense in the big 12 last year I do believe because in in coach Messingham's offense passing throwing the ball wasn't 
wasn't really a forefront. Which I think we're going to see a very large shift in. Absolutely. <laughs> and that we totally should. Yeah. With Colin Klein, you know, now being the head of the offense, I think they're going to spread the ball around a little bit more. And not only does that give more opportunities for Deuce Vaughn to receive as well, but it's going to give our wide receivers more opportunity to, you know, catch the ball. Because, like I've said before in past, on past shows, K-State in recent years has not been a wide receiver-friendly team. Yeah. Like, the leading receiver has either been our running back or our tight end, and our right receivers have not been giving much of an opportunity outside of special teams. And I do believe that's going to change this upcoming season with Colin Klein at the helm, especially since Deuce Vaughn and what he needs to do because he seems like he needs to go that extra mile just because of his size to be in contention for the Heisman is keep doing what he's doing, but also – being able to get the ball a little bit more on the receiving end as well. Yeah, okay, good. I agree with all of those things. And my final question that I'll pose for you is what does K-State need to do to win the Big 12? Health. Stay healthy. That's that's as much as I can simplify it is just stay healthy, really. And, of course, the biggest question mark, like you said, Kobe, is our secondary, and this is a really high-powered offense you know, type of league that we are in in the Big 12. So we'll we'll see what the transfers can do in the secondary position and the type of depth that they have. But overall, the number one thing is health. If everyone can stay healthy, if Adrian Martinez can stay healthy, because he's coming off a very similar injury that Skylar Thompson had with his with the shoulder surgery in the off season. So, like, if every everybody needs to stay healthy, that's that's all we can really say. It's it's out of our hands. I know if like outside of health, it's out, it's out of their hands too. They just need to stay stay healthy because yeah. you never know what could happen on the field. But if everyone manages to do what they need to do and avoid any sort of you know nicks and bruises that are can sideline them for a while, then they'll be okay. So interestingly enough, I just saw a tweet from a, a, one of our K State Big Twelve pundits um, that said that according to what he had heard today at the Big Twelve media days, that we need to be watching collectively as an Iman Nation for Will Hannes um, and his work on the defense, and then Kobe Savage specifically. Apparently, they're athletic freaks that have like developed really nicely mm-hmm. in the off season. Uh, Kobe Savage being a, uh, uh, in the secondary, right? Yeah. So that's that's going to be very important for Kansas State uh, and the in the way that they are looking to play. So I want to I want to plug a couple of things that I have going on in this week and in the next week. So on Friday we're having Dr. Trace, K State yes. Director of Bands. Uh, there was some some issues with last week. Turned out that uh, we're just rescheduling for this Friday, so that's we can plan on having him on the show then. Um, and then also, I'm going to be starting on Saturdays. Uh, I'll have more information coming up on that. Uh, but on Saturdays, for sure, I'm going to be starting a uh, classical music show uh, because my background is in classical music, right? So I used to have a music podcast called Musically Inclined, and now we're just going to bring that back and we're going to keep it live on the air. So if you want to hear a little bit more from me on Saturdays, I think it'll be at 11 a.m. Uh, you can tune in to Wildcat 91.9 to listen to me there. And then I'm so excited, and I know Jasmine is too, but on Monday night, yes, we're having sir. the Dragon Slayer uh, three times survivor, like CBS survivor, uh, participant, uh, division one college soccer coach for like 20 years, um, media personality, just crazy dude, symphony conductor, the Benjamin coach Wade, Ben Wade coming on the show all the way from California. He's going to be here in Kansas, uh, to be doing some stuff with Kansas state. And I cannot wait to get him on the show. That is one you definitely do not want to miss. So without further ado, 
You've been listening to Training Camp with Colby Van Camp on Wildcat 91.9.